I can hear a pin drop. Wow. I'll say after after singing that song and the old rugged cross and really reflect on the lyrics and even getting to the to the lyrics where to to my trophies I lay down and comes back to what what am I doing now what are we doing now as we reflect on our own lives that when we stand before our Lord and Savior someday and stand there and say you know what will I have to lay at His feet and Am I laboring for hay, wood, and stubble? Or am I laboring for what will last and what will bring glory to God? And we'll touch on that some this morning as we look at Romans chapter 13. Um, prophecies of Zechariah are in the past for us now, and we're, we're moving on to a, a new subject. Um, and over the next couple of weeks, some different random subjects, no series or anything, but... I'm looking at God's Word and hopefully instructing us on the way that we should live for God over these next couple of weeks until we jump into a different series. But we're going to look at Romans chapter 13 today, uh, right in the middle of the book of Romans, and look at verses 8 through 14 and allow God's Word to speak to us. God's Word says, Paul writing to the Gentiles, Gentile Christians in, in Rome, Romans 13, starting at verse 8. He writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow men has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever, whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we open up your word to understand the way that we should live for you. So many different passages of Scripture, Lord, point to, to the things that you, you are doing in our lives and, and what is to come in our lives. And we look at other passages of Scripture that speak to us on the way that you desire your children to live. And so we look at these words from Paul in Romans 13 this morning, Lord, and ask that you illuminate our lives with them, that your light shines in our lives. That we understand what it means to love someone else. And we're able to understand the direction that Paul has brought forth. And the words that he carried forth that you have given to him. And now sit here in front of us. We thank you, Lord, for being with us. We thank you for the old rugged cross. Where our sins are forgiven. May we stand in your grace today. We ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So in the book of Paul, Paul's writing to Gentile Christians, and in doing so, he's writing to them, and he uses this words at the beginning of the book of Romans, to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And so often in the Western church, we don't handle uh, our Christian lives in such a way. Uh, we often view our Christian lives as a transactional experience, that there was a day where I believed in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and so on whatever that date, you know, when I was 12 years old or 10 years old, 25 years old, I believed in Jesus Christ, I'm now headed to heaven, and it was a transaction, something happened. I, I believed, God opened up the door, I'm now headed to he heaven. Uh, and that we often see that in the Western church, and in today's age in the church, but Christianity is more than just a transactional experience in our lives. Christianity is to be a transformational experience in our lives. Uh, we don't get up from the altar and say, God is good, I'm going to heaven, and then just go out and live our lives as if God never changed us. And so the gospel message that comes to us is one of changing us. One of transforming us. And it's not just a transaction of forgiving us, but one of how God is going to mold us into what he wants us to be. And so we look at these passages of Scripture that we get from the book of Romans and try to grasp an understanding of what is it that God wants to change in our lives. And that's why I shared the words at the beginning of, of the book of Romans, because when Paul says to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake, there's two different aspects of that simple little sentence, to call us to obedience for the faith. We have the faith that has forgiven us. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but then there becomes this act of obedience that we walk through in our Christian lives and in following God and walking in that direction, that transformational work of God in our lives where it becomes apparent that the fruit that is coming from our lives is the result of a transactional experience that we had in our lives. And so as God's working on us and transforming us and making us into who he wants us to be, that is changing us and molding us, and that becomes the fruit in our lives that points back to that transaction. I'll give you another uh, scripture verse to, to rest on this. First Timothy 4.16, where again, Paul's writing to Timothy at this point, and he says, watch your life and doctrine closely. And that's the first sentence of that verse. Watch your life, watch your life and your doctrine closely. And he goes on to say, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Persevere in your doctrine? N no. Persevere in your life? No. He says, persevere in them, your life and your doctrine. Again, pointing to this, there's this faith experience that we have, that we believe in what God has done, and we believe in God's Word and the foundations of the Christian faith, and then from there, there is this life that we're living that is a transforma transformational life of God working in us and changing us. And so Paul doesn't tell Timothy to, to change one and guard one. He tells them to guard them both. They go hand in hand. And what is believed and taught on a Sunday morning gets lived out on a Monday. And what, what we experience on a Monday 
comes about as transformational us on a Tuesday, and it is a continual process. And so we can never look at even Sunday morning of coming together in God's house and, and, and learning about God and experiencing God's presence in our life as a transaction that this is once and done, and now we move on to the rest of our lives and separate them and, and create this separation. It becomes transformational as we walk through lives because what is believed and seen and experienced on Sunday must be lived out on Monday. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 starts out with, Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. So when I titled this sermon, Owing and Going, um, some nine months ago, and I'll hold to that title even today, Paul starts out about a debt. And immediately when I read this, even nine months ago, Let no debt remain. Let no debt remain remain outstanding. Now, I don't know what the debt is that is in your life. Uh, you might have a house payment. You may have a mortgage. You may have a car payment. You may have credit cards. You may owe your neighbor $200 because you borrowed money from him. You may even owe somebody a favor. They did something for you. You need to do something for them. There's all kinds of debt that we may have. Paul gives us an instruction. Let no debt remain outstanding. So he says, take care of those things. We pay on those things. And, and after our... 60 payments used to be for a car, 48 payments since 60. Now you can get those 72-month loans. Uh, by the way, don't do that uh, on a side note. But, a, you know, you pay the debt on a monthly basis. You pay for your house on a monthly basis, biweekly basis, whatever it is, and eventually that debt gets paid off. Woohoo! burn the mortgage. You know, we don't owe the bank any more money. The house is ours. Now all we have to do is keep paying the county all that tax money every year, and we'll get to keep the house that is ours. And so let no debt stay outstanding, except for, except for the continuing debt to love one another. As I went through that, and I said, oh, I can't pay it off. What do you mean, Paul? I can't pay it off? And he says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That means if I go out right today on this afternoon and I see someone who is in need of something and I say, God, wow, you just put that person into my life, in my life and I go and I help them and I love on them and I help them out in their situation and I say, God, this is great. Mark that one off. Check mark. Love taken care of. And he says, no, Ralph. No. Not. Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. And he says, Ralph, he says, yeah, you took care of that, but I'm going to have someone tomorrow. And I'm going to have someone the next day and maybe two weeks from now. And it's a debt that we can't pay off. We owe a debt that we cannot pay off. And it is a debt of love to love one another. And that is going to constantly be there. And so as much as we can pay the bank, and the bank gave me money, and I give my, the money back to the bank on a monthly basis and do that over 30 years, 15 years, or whatever the time frame may be, I am clean. I am done with that debt. I don't owe them a penny. I don't owe them anything else. We, we wash it, and it's gone. And God says, no, Ralph, I loved you so much. I loved you so much that I gave my son for me, for you. I gave my son for you, and now you owe this debt to continue to love one another. And so 
we continue on with this. It's the owing part. The key word that we need to underline in our Bibles, and I have it underlined in mine, is continuing. We can never close the books on the debt to owe loving one another. As a Christian, I realize there are, there are three words. I can catenate one. You can say four words if you want. The words that we can never say as a Christian is, I'm out of debt. Think about that for a second. You could pay off your car. You can pay off all the credit cards. You can pay off the mortgage. You can have everything done. All the bills are paid. And you could say, I don't owe anybody anything. And God says, yes, you do. Yes, you do. As a Christian, we can never use the words, I'm out of debt. Because as a Christian, we must always stay in debt to the aspect of owing love to one another. And so as we think about love for one another, I want us to start digging into this passage and understand some of the aspects of this and the aspects of, of love as represented in this chapter of how we continuously owe this debt of love and how we can move forward with this debt of love that we, what we owe. And so hopefully we can get some understanding, some application, and take these words that Paul has to the Gentile Christians and apply them to our lives to understand them. And the first place I want to go is verses 8 through 10, and I want to talk about total love. I want to talk about the description we're given in verses 8 through 10 of this aspect of love, that this ongoing debt of love that we owe. And so when we're finishing a good deed to someone else in love, and we believe we paid off the debt, as I described, the debt stays there, it's continuing, and it remains. And these verses wrap together uh, all these aspects, ad- adultery, uh, murder, stealing, coveting. It's all wrapped up into this verse of saying, love your neighbor as yourself, that we find at the end of verse 9. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, immediately, I think we would come back to the words of Jesus, where Jesus is talking in Luke chapter 10, and where he's going to the point, and he says these words. He says, there's two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I started to go through Romans, and I said, well, wait a minute, Paul. What about the other aspect of it? If this debt of love that I'm going to continue to pay... If all of this is going to be a fulfillment of the law, because for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law, I'm saying, Paul, you missed part of it. You missed the love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength part of it. And I know Jesus said that back in Luke chapter 10. And I started thinking about it a little bit and thinking about this passage a little bit more about love your neighbor as yourself and what it really means in the Christian in our Christian lives of love your neighbor as yourself. And it's why I called it total love. And I want you to follow down this path with me in understanding it and understanding the connection that we have between love your neighbor as yourself and our love for God. There's an old Sunday school song. I'm not going to sing it for you. Uh, I learned it actually when I moved down here to Carlisle. I don't think I ever sang it growing up. Uh, but it's first from 1 John 4, 7 and 8. I always love the end of it. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Uh, it ended like, it really neat. But it is, let us love one another. So the, the verse goes on in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Of dear friends or beloved, depending on your translations, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
knoweth God, if you're still singing the song. And then from there, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now think about those verses for a second. Beloved, let us love one another. Because if we love one another, then we have love for God. And the verse goes on and says, but if we can't love one another, then we don't have love for God. And I go back to Romans 13 and say, wait a minute, Paul. You actually had this right. You had this right of a total package of love. Because I cannot stand as a Christian and say, I love God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength, and then go and despise my neighbor. Can't do it. This first John 4, 7 and 8. That's a nice ring to it, by the way. First John 4, 7 and 8. You can't do it. You can't go and say, I love God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. Oh, you jerk. I can't believe you did this again. Uh, I don't want to pick on anybody, but right? oh, you ran over my grass. Right? And go, you know, how, how does that happen? And so God works in us and God works in our lives and changes us and transforms us and gets into the transformational process of God where it actually changes our heart. And so that love of God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength starts trickling down into our lives. And we understand how great God's love was for us. That when it comes to the person who crossed our path, didn't do something we really liked, betrayed us, left us, hurt us, somehow the love of God starts working in our hearts where we can find ourselves loving them. I'm not saying put yourself back in the path of being hurt and damaged, but I'm saying that God puts that love in our hearts to love them. And I cannot stand there and say, I love God, yet despise my neighbor. Because that's not total love. And so Paul does have it right that where love your neighbor as yourself does become a fulfillment of the whole law. Because if I'm really loving my neighbor as myself, then I'm really loving God. And if I'm really loving God, then that's trickling down and loving my neighbor as myself. That transformational power of God that's alive and working in our lives. And he takes our lack of love, molds us, and fills us with godly love. And therefore, love, total love, is a fulfillment of the law. Now, I need to get on a side note for a second. I need to get on a soapbox because I don't have all morning... I don't have all week, I don't have all month to define for you every aspect of love. Start reading the Bible. Start in Genesis and read the whole way through. And, and love is there the whole way through. But I do want to highlight just real quick. Read through the book of Acts. If you want to understand what love is, even in the, in the early church, you will pick it up in the book of Acts. And I want to say that love is, go to 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is honest. Love, love does protect. Love does hope. Love does trust. But sometimes love needs to be brutally honest. Sometimes love needs to snatch someone from the fire because they're going to get burned. Sometimes love means that you need to stand in the gap for somebody and pray. Because they can't pray for themselves right now. And they're struggling. Sometimes love need, means that you go to a brother or sister that's in sin and you confront the sin. Read through the book of Acts. And you will see it. The, the, the early apostles confronted sin out of love. Read through, read through 2 Corinthians and you will find places where Paul had to confront sin out of love. That's love. That is love expressed. Love for one another in the church. 
And so we need to understand there are two aspects of love. One is comforting a person and helping a person and meeting their need and lifting them up and helping them. But another one is snatching them from the dangers of life. And, you know, about a year and a half ago, I was over in England. Now, if you know something in, about England, is they drive on the wrong side of the road. If you've ever been there, that, they drive on the wrong side of the road. I don't know why they do that, and I'm going to look up the history someday of why people in some places in the world drive on the left and, and the others on the right. But England, they drive on the wrong side of the road to us here in America. And so myself and my wife and my daughter, we are getting ready to cross the road. And it was just a little little bit of a, a, a turn where cars would come around the turn, and we only had to cross over to the little middle of the road. And we're coming up to that little bit of an intersection, and both of them are on my left. And both of them go like this, and they look to the left to make sure nothing was coming. And both of them start to go like this and step out in the car, out into the middle of the street. And, and you know what Ralph was doing? Ralph was looking to the right because they don't come this way in England. They come this way. And so literally, they're getting ready to step out in the middle of the street. And I'm saying, stop, get back, hold on. Because I was looking this way and a car is coming flying around the curve. Now you could say, well, Ralph, that wasn't very loving of you, screaming at them, telling them to stop and not step out in the street. I can tell you it was a lot of love. I didn't want them to get hit by the car. I didn't want them to get ran over. I don't know a parent or a grandparent that when they see their own child in danger wouldn't reach out in some kind of love and tell them to not step into the danger. Stand where you're at. Don't move further. Get down on the ground. You know, a tornado's coming. Love says call somebody on the phone. Tell them to get into the basement. That's love. Sometimes love is snatching somebody out of danger and helping them get out of there. We need to make sure it's salted in love and concern for them. But we need to understand that as well. It is love. I'll get off the side note and get back into Romans 13. With Romans 13, we do go through total love, and it's going to move on in the next verses and talk about timely love in verses 11 through 12. And I want to reread them and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. It's a timely love in our lives. We need to look out across our circle of influence and understand there are people that need to have the debt of love paid to them right now. They need our love to cascade into their lives. None of us want to stand in heaven. I know I don't want to stand in heaven. I won't answer for you. But I don't want to stand in heaven and be before my Lord and Savior and said, well, if I would have, I could have, I should have. When we get to heaven, we don't want to have any would have, could have, should have. We want to be able to stand before our Lord and Savior and say, you called me to do something and I went and I did it. And I move forward in love the way that you called me to. Don't be apprehensive when God calls you, when God opens up your heart to show love to somebody else. Now, today, is the day that we wake up from our slumber. Today, our salvation is nearer than we first believed. We do this understanding that it's the present time that needs to hear about love. If you haven't noticed today, you're one day older than yesterday. We are. I am. I think at best we can have what? How many, how many days could we live? 36,500 if we live to be 100 years old? It's not a whole lot of days. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but we are all one day closer to the kingdom today than we were yesterday. And Paul's saying, today your salvation is closer. 
Today your salvation is closer. And he's writing to these Gentile Christians and he's saying it to us as well. When are you going to start loving? It, now is the day that we start this. When should we start loving? Yesterday. Paul says it very clear and simple at the beginning of verse 11. And do this. Do what? Paying off the debt of love. When do we do it? Now. We get to it right away. We do it because we understand that in this present time, there are other people in this present time as well. And every time I ponder my eternal destination, when I think about heaven, heaven is a beautiful place. I want to go there. I pray that's the same for you as well, that heaven is a beautiful place and you want to go there. You want to be with your Lord and Savior. You, you want to be blown away by the awe of God in His presence. And when you think about your eternal glory, hopefully that brings an excitement to you. It brings a joy to you. It brings a hope in your life that one day when, when this is all over, I will be with God for all eternity. But as I shared last week, at the same time, that's salted with. It's terrible. It's terrible for those that are going another day that don't have the love of God in their lives. It's terrible. Because their end is hell. Their end is eternal destruction. And as much as we look forward for those that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and look forward to an eternal destination that brings us into God's glory for all eternity to experience the heaven that He has prepared for us and all of the joy that is there and no more crying and no more pain, the exact opposite holds to everyone who does not know God and hasn't experienced His love. And that should impel us. It should drive us to allow our lives to become love to others so they can experience God as well. Timely love somehow works as an interruption in our lives. And this is the part of love that I'm not crazy about. I have a schedule to keep, and I have a place I want to go, and I have things I want to do, and I have things planned out. And God says, Ralph, i got to interrupt your schedule because you've got to go love this person. You've got to take this phone call, even though you don't want to. I know you had plans for Wednesday night, but you're going to cancel your plans for Wednesday night because this has to happen. I don't like that, and I don't think you like it either. But it's the way God works in our lives because now is the time to pay off our debt of love. And God says, you have plenty of time for those other things. We have all eternity to work them out. Timely love happens now, and it's how God works to interrupt our lives to allow us to show love to others. It'll break into our time plan and get our time plans to fit into God's time plans. Hopefully that all of us are grateful that the love of God has broken into our lives. Now we need to think, are we going to allow timely love to break into the lives of somebody else? We have total love. We have timely love. And I want to wrap this up with the rest of the verses with a treasured love. Verses 12 through 14 gives us a picture of pulling ourselves outside of our own desires so we can treasure the love of God, not our own gratifications. And you start looking through those verses, you understand that he's talking to people and the same for today and it's the same in our lives where we get caught up in our own desires. Where Paul says, get away from, you know, let us behave decently as in the daytime. In my translation, not in orgies or drunkenness and sexual immorality, debauchery and dissension and jealousy. And all the things that we would love from a worldly perspective. 
And we get caught up in our own thoughts and our own actions, our own agendas, the things that we want to do, and we get caught up in our own desires. And Paul says, get, get rid of those things and treasure what God would treasure, and that's owing the debt of love and paying that debt of love to others here in this world. It's that transformational process that's occurring in believers of Jesus Christ where he is changing us because the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So we need to put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He gives us three little mandates in the middle of it. Behave decently. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I want to go through all three of them real quick. Behave decently. Does anybody need me to explain explain what it means to behave decently? I, I think we could all cover that one. Seems to be very self-explanatory. Behave decently. So I'm going to move on to number two. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.12 tells us, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If I want to wrap the two together about clothing ourselves with with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Colossians 3.12. Humility, gentleness, patience, kindness, compassion. Put those things on. Number three that he tells us that don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. What are our desires to satisfy ourselves? See, are we thinking about our desires? Are we thinking about God's desires? I got a lot of my own desires. I, I, I got them in a list in my head. And God says, stop thinking about those things, Ralph. And start thinking about how to pay the debt of love. It's a transformational process. But when your mind starts to wander, does your mind wander about how I could get a really nice swimming pool in the backyard? Or does your mind wander of how I could have more friends over for a big party? Or does your mind wander of how can I help the lady that can't buy groceries? See, does your mind wander and think about, oh, I can get that new car? Or I can keep the new car I have nice and washed and shiny and new? I can put that new addition on the house? Or is your mind wandering, oh, I could go on vacation 12 months from now and I'm going to spend the next 12 months planning and letting my mind wander and think about those things and get to that? Or is your mind wandering about, My neighbor doesn't even know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. How can I help my neighbor understand that God loves him? And so is your mind wandering that way to pay off the debt of love? Or is your mind wandering to satisfy the desires of our flesh? And Paul says, don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Because he says, rather... Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. To put on gentleness, humility, patience, compassion, kindness, and pay the debt of love. We do have examples of this type of love in Scripture. If you would look in Acts 22, 44 through 45, this is the new believers. I love this verse in the Scriptures. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Now, I want you to understand that's not a mandate in our lives. But it's a reflection of the, of the early believers' love for one another. 
that they were willing to go and sell property to pay off and take care of the needs of others. I think it's a beautiful reflection of how our love should be. Again, not a mandate that you go sell your house so you have money to give it to somebody else. But I can tell you, if God's telling you to sell your house so you have money to give it to somebody else, walk in obedience. But it's the way they thought about love, to be able to have self-sacrifice to meet the needs of somebody else. The early believers knew that their treasure was not in what they had, but it was in paying the debt of love to other people. The early believers were willing to let good deeds flow from their lives as fruit from their faith. When we reach the end of this chapter, chapter 13 in Romans, we have to jump back to that title that I gave this of owing and going. Scripture is very clear on both. We do owe a debt of love, and hopefully you understand the picture that we have a continuing debt of love that we that we owe and that we need to pay. But the second is about going and doing something about it. I want to give you a couple of verses from Hebrews. Hebrews 1.9 instructs us on loving righteousness and hating wickedness. That's how we go. We love righteousness and hate wickedness. Yes, Christians should hate. It's in the Bible. Hebrews 1.9. We should hate wickedness. Not people. Wickedness. Hebrews 6.10 reminds us that we will not forget, that God will not forget. A really neat aspect. Hear this one. That God will not forget the love we showed God. Did you know that you can show love to God? You can show love to God. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 reminds us that God will not forget the love we showed Him as we help His people and continue to do so. Really neat. It's going. We owe and now we're going to go. Another verse from Hebrews 10.24 instructs us to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. They're all about going. They're all about showing love. I think it's a beautiful picture of us being able to love righteousness, to love others, to do good deeds. And in turn, we are showing love to God. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. Jesus is teaching, and he shares these words. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. God calls us to love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've given us this teaching on love in the book of Romans this continuing debt that we owe. First, I do pray that these words that I've shared and the words from coming from 
Your word in Romans 13 strike into our hearts that we all know that we have a continuing debt to love one another, a debt that never goes away, a debt that never changes. Now we live our lives as Christians looking for ways to pay off that debt that we will never pay off. It's what you've called us to. Lord, help us to walk in your ways. Help us to understand that having love means owing and going. That we're willing to express this love to others. And in so, that we're showing love to you. I ask that you give each and every one of us an opportunity this week to really love someone else. An unexpected, unplanned moment. One of those pass or fail tests, Lord. You place it into each of our lives. And as we walk in faithfulness to you, you'll let that light shine through our lives. Or we love someone else. And in so we can rejoice and we can share with others how you were able to use us to pour love into somebody else's life when they really needed it. It's what you've called us to do, Lord. So may we find ourselves walking down that path. You've given us your word. You give us your strength. You've given us your Holy Spirit. Help us to walk in obedience and faith as your children. I ask this all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. May he keep you. His face shine upon you and give you peace. Have a wonderful week. And God be with you throughout this day and throughout the week. Amen.